Man, good morning once again. Just go ahead and look at the person sitting next to you and say, man, wasn't that good? That's a little longer. <laughs> yeah, with a little country swing to it. I love it. I love it. Man, we are so happy that you are here. We're right in the middle of just a series on prayer. We continue to talk about having the rhythm of prayer as a church and just the power that prayer has just over our community and over our lives. And I just want to begin with just a little picture. I have, uh, over the course of my time, I think, or course of my life, I think I have flown probably 10 or 15 times. Anybody like flown probably more than 20 times in their life? Yeah, okay. Man, that is a rough place to live because every single time they got on the plane, there is this moment, there's this moment to where it's like you take off, that's cool, that's fun, but then there's this moment to where like you finally get to the to however high up that you need to be, 30,000 feet, whatever it is, I have no idea. But there's a moment that is terrifying whenever the fastened seatbelt lights come on and you're just like, Why? We still have a long, long ways to go. And then what you begin to feel is a little rumble in your chair. And then this is the most terrifying moment of my life. If you've ever experienced this on a plane, there's literally, they will hit like these pockets of air and the whole plane literally drops. It falls. And here in that moment, here's what I know for sure is that every single person in that plane just cried out to the Lord and said, please, if this is going down, Lord Jesus, I am calling out to you. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. Because here's what I believe. If, if there was to ever be a moment like that where the fastened seatbelt moment comes on, heaven forbid, anything worse than that, or you hear something over the cockpit that says it was fine, it's just a little turbulence, everybody stay, remain calm, remain seated. Here is what I believe that in those moments is that there are no atheists. That there are no atheists. Because everybody is calling out to somebody. And everybody is in that moment praying to somebody. And you maybe experienced this in some other ways or some other moments in your life is that there are moments that will come into our lives to where you may say you don't believe in God, but yet you will find yourself praying to a God. Whether that be you have a friend who is diagnosed with cancer, or maybe that's a friend who got into a car wreck, or maybe in your own personal life to where you've had moments of just great heartbreak or great pain. It is a common reality. It is a common message throughout all of culture is that you do not want to carry that alone. And so whether or not a person has ever been in church or not, you'll hear a common word come out of their mouth. Will you pray for me? This is one of the most common themes that we have. And this is where we want to connect because at at the core At the most fundamental aspect of what prayer is, prayer is asking. Prayer is asking. And I want to just share just a couple of lines here for you. Say, at its core, at its simplest and most immediate, it means asking God for help. To ask earnestly from Him. To entreat from Him. And this is an incredible, incredible moment. You see, every single one of us has access to pray to God in this way. But I want to take it just a step further. Last week, man, we got to dive into God's Word and get to learn that God is our Father. And maybe that's something new to you. Maybe that's a new concept to you, that God really is a loving, is a caring Father. We got to dive into that in just an incredible, incredible way because of nothing you have done, but because of what Jesus has done. You may call Him Father. And I want to piggyback off of that. If God is on our side, If God really is our Father, if God is our King, then we have the open door to ask from Him. 
to ask from him. Now, listen, let's just be really, really honest. Over the past, I believe this has been, this is the fourth week that we've been talking about prayer. In my life, prayer has become much more difficult. Prayer has become much more challenging. Even though we have been able to lay out some frameworks and have some conversations, anybody's still struggling to just kind of pause before the Lord. Yeah, it seems like it got even more challenging. And then even this past week, getting to see God as our Father, it's like everything's coming against you to say that He's everything but that. And then you're going to get to this place today where it's like, what can I really even ask of Him? Am I even able to ask Him for the deepest needs or the, the biggest needs in my own life? And so here's what's incredible, is that prayer, as we continue to walk through this, what we continue to learn is it's not perfect. It's not the easiest thing that we will do, but man, whenever we commit our souls to it, when we commit our lives to it, we believe God will do some incredible, incredible things. But it's been challenging. It's been challenging. And some of you today will probably even find it challenging to even ask God for anything. Here's why. Let me play this out just a little bit. Maybe you connect with one of those. Many of us are simply just too proud to ask for help. Many of us right now are too proud to ask for help. This is like number one for me. Too proud to ask for help, not even out of the strength that you think you can, but it's like, I don't even want, some of you, it is the strength part. You just want to be able to carry this on your own. You want to be able to get through this on your own. Or maybe there's some, this is like, I don't even feel like I should even ask anybody for help. I don't want to bother anybody. I can't tell you how many times I'll get a prayer request to say, you know, pastor, I don't want to burden you. That's why we're here. But we have this within us. And so imagine that same connection. If we won't do that with others, then we probably are doing the same thing with God. But we fail to even being able to ask. We, we struggle to be able to ask for help. This could be control, strength, don't want to burden them. Then there's this other one where you're not sure if God can and if he will. This one is so tough. Will God, even if I ask him, will he? This is incredible. I have this, I have this real struggle that with my kids, we go into gift shops. And why is it that every kid, when he goes into a gift shop, wants everything, everything? And it's like, look at this. I'm like, that's awesome. Can we get it? No. That's like the line. And it's like, we just went into a gift shop yesterday. I was like, we didn't even bring in cash. I'm sorry. So it's not even on me. It's just, there's no cash anywhere. But you even imagine that. Maybe even for some of you all throughout your life, like whenever I'd ask my dad for $20, he would just say, why? And then it was like, you know, pulling literally the soul from his body sometimes. But maybe that's how you feel. Maybe you've had those experiences where you have asked before. And you find that either the person can but is not willing, or the person just can't meet the needs that you have. And so these are just another one of those. And I got one more that I just want to share, and maybe this is you, that why even ask if God has already made up his mind? And so now you've gotten to the place of where you have, maybe you've even got past your pride. Maybe you even got to the place where you say, God, I believe that you can, I believe that you will. But then you're also then wrestling with, well, if God's already made up his mind, then why should I even pray? And so I just want to begin with kind of where we're going to end. Now, this has been a fun, a fun day for you. This is not my normal Bible. This is not my normal Bible. This is a really cool moment for me. This is my grandfather's Bible. Isn't that cool? I know. It is precious. Uh, I got this. Uh, my grandfather has since passed away, so it's like having my grandfather with me today. But it is the King James Version 
We are going into our these and our thous, ladies and gentlemen. Buckle up. It's going to be an incredible, incredible day. But we're going to be in Luke chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, open them up. If you have your phones, open them up. And then go to the K and then stay with me in the King James Version. And I promise we'll be back to the ESV next week or the NIV, whichever one. But man, it is so beautiful. But I want to begin in Luke chapter 11, verse 11. This is where we will end, and so this is where I also want to begin. Because I want you to to have us to begin with the end in mind. It says in verse 11, If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? And this is where we want to get to this place, playing off of last week. If our good and merciful and gracious heavenly Father comes before us and says, Hey, I want you to ask from me. And we understand that just how faulty and failures we are as fathers here on earth. But man, how good and how gracious our God is that he will give us and he will provide for us. And so oftentimes what we have to do is just simply ask. So let's get into it. What does it really mean to ask? What does it really look like for us as as trying to figure out this world as faith followers? What does it really look like? To ask. Well, let's go to Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, this being Jesus, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Now, here's what's incredible that of, of all the things that he taught his disciples, he taught them how to pray. Every single one of them would go on to be evangelists of the gospel, but you actually find that he never taught one of them to preach. He never taught one of them how to break down the old scriptures. He never taught one of them even what it looked like to heal in those ways. It was just simply this was the thing of which he taught them was to pray, was to pray. And prayer is one of those most beautiful things that even a simple, even a child can do it beautifully, but even the most seasoned Christian would not be a master at this. You see, our greatest difficulty oftentimes when it comes to prayer is not finding the specific approach, which we've had so much fun even setting this up, but that's even really not where we are, is that our greatest need is simply to pray and to pray more and more. Ephesians 6, 18 says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit being watchful to this and with all perseverance and supplication. And so this is the thing that they ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. And there's a beautiful reason why. And then Jesus is so faithful in answering that question. He says, then he said unto them, when ye pray, once again, are your first ye of the night? Yes. When ye pray, say, our Father, 
Come on now. Go back to last week. Go back to this word. Remember that this is a beautiful, beautiful word. This is truly a father's love. This is truly a father being expressed on this page. This is something radical, something brand new. Do not forget how crazy that this is that he allows you and he allows me to say these words. Our father. Don't let that just fall on deaf ears. Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy be thy name. It says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As in heaven, so in earth. Let's just pause here for a moment. We see this incredible reverence to who God is as Father and as Holy. But then they say this most incredible words. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. This, my friends, after we rejoice, after we praise, this is the next step for us to step into prayer. To understand that everything that we are about to say afterwards is secondary to the kingdom is secondary to His will. And boy, do we struggle with that. Boy, do I struggle with that. It's like you just want to put that one on the end. Lord, I'm going to ask you all of these requests. I'm going to make all these petitions, and then your kingdom come. And then your will be done. But here's the basis of our prayers. Before we even begin to ask even, we said last week, before we lament, before we lay ourselves bare, may we rejoice. May we worship him. But then there's a second step here. May we understand that everything that we are about to ask be put secondary to his kingdom and to his glory. Easier said than done, but it is the baseline of which we begin. Listen, prayer, prayer isn't a tool to get what you want from God. It is a way to get God's will accomplished in us and around us. And this word, let's just press here, your will be done. Because this is one of the challenging parts when we talk about prayer. If your will is going to be done, if we are praying your will be done, then you have to even think, well, why even pray? Well, let's just step into that for just a second because you have two different perspectives. Some of you, when you hear God's will will be done, so there's no need for me to pray. It's already, everything's already predestined. There's this new word I learned. It's called fatalism, which means there's this inevitability of what things will happen. They will happen as if there's no control, no will within us to make these things, these things work out. And so you just begin to approach prayer of like, well, God's already doing it. So why even come to him? And I wanted to shift your mind here for just a second that when we say your will be done, that it can be said with a heart of love and trust. To do your will because I know it is best and to change me where I don't understand or accept your will. Matthew 26, I want to take you to this moment. Matthew chapter 26, we're going to go ahead and put it up on the screen. This is incredible. It says, and he went a little further. And he fell on his faith and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. You know where this comes from? This comes from the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus has literally fallen on his knees, seeing blood pour out of his, uh, literally bleeding or sweating blood because he knows he's about to face the cross. And it's incredible to see the humanity of Jesus right here in this moment because there's this thing that he says here, Oh, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. How real is that? That, Lord, I understand what is about to happen. That, Lord, I understand the good of about that is about to happen. But, Lord, if there's any other way, 
If there's any other way that I don't have to suffer in this way, I don't have to die in this way, may your will or may it be done. And you can see this heartfelt cry of Jesus in this moment, but yet he proclaims the most important words of all Scripture, the most important heartbeat of every single person in the room that must ask of him. He says this, he said, Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. Jesus, in the last moments of his life, lays this foundation for us of how we are to live and how we are to go about our life, that not as I will, but as thou will. So thy kingdom come, thy will be done. This is where we begin. This is where we start. It says, to pray our Father. Let me break this down up to this point. To pray our Father requires faith. It requires a sense of faith because he who comes to God must believe that he is. So right now, if you are talking about prayer, you must have this moment of faith to believe that he really is your father through what Jesus has done. And then your kingdom come requires hope. It requires a real hope because he who comes to God must believe, or no, I'm sorry, the next point, the second one there. So the second one, your kingdom come requires hope because we trust it is to come to fulfillment, to fullness. That what we hope for, that who Jesus is, is that we have eternal life, that we have a hope beyond this world, and that it has not yet come. But to proclaim your kingdom come is to proclaim this incredible hope. And then lastly, your will be done. It requires love. It requires love because love is the incentive to obey all of God's will. How do you know that you love me? You will obey. You will obey. And so we see this once again. This is the baseline. This is the baseline. And so before you ask, we rejoice. And then before we ask, we understand that it is his kingdom and his will that we are seeking above all else. And then we get to us, where Jesus gives us and shows us in this prayer what's asked for. The first one, it says, give us day by day our daily bread. Give us day by day our daily bread. This is the invitation right here, right now in this moment to freely bring our needs to God. Now, I love this line. You ever heard this? It's like Jesus doesn't, Jesus meets our needs, but Jesus doesn't meet our, anybody know the line? Greeds. Ooh, isn't that a good one? Jesus, he meets our needs, but he doesn't meet our greeds. I love this one because what he is talking about is this is an incredible moment. What is bread? Bread is food. Every single one of us, we can go a few days without food, but nobody wants to. It's like the basic necessity of our life. And so Jesus in this moment, is he not only asking for us to or provide a substance, but he's also asking or giving us the opportunity to say, hey, even the small things in life, even the simple things in life, we want to depend and we want to pray to you for those things. And how does he ask us to do this? He says, day by day, day by day, that the Lord would bring the provision day by day, that we would be dependent upon his provision day by day. This is beautiful. And I begin to ask my own self, when was the last time you prayed for daily bread? When was the last time you prayed for daily bread? Who, who is then in that moment even identifies the real provider? I can't tell you the last time I said, God, would you just give me some bread tomorrow morning? Because in my head, I'm thinking I'm going to go to Ralph's 
or I'm going to go to Weaver's. I'm going to get some bread. You see, oftentimes what we forget is that he is really our provider. We feel that. We think we're the ones that provide. We think we're the ones that sustain. But he has this incredible moment here where Jesus is, is asking us, is telling us to come to the Lord and say, give us our daily bread. Day by day, provide for us. Now, I said this thing about the small things. Now, this is a moment I want to just have some fun here and just step into it. Anybody like on TikTok or on Instagram Reels or Facebook Reels seen the recent NASCAR race prayer? Did anybody see this? Man, I'm going to give you something to look up to. It is unbelievable. It's one of the craziest prayers I've ever seen in my life. But there's another moment where it's like, why are we praying for this? This is incredible because you're going to have some moments in your life where you're like, wait, I'm not praying for that. Or if you asked me to pray for it, I was like, I'm not praying for that. But imagine this. We're sitting at the NASCAR track, and the prayer is literally, Lord Jesus, we have equipped these race cars to go 250 miles per hour, and we're going to spend the next six hours driving three inches apart. And Lord Jesus, we just provide for safety. We provide for us to all make it out around this track safe and sound. And you're just like, wait, what? Like, why are we praying for that? Because God's like, God's looking at us like, yeah, just don't. Just don't. And you'll probably be safe. Like, you'll probably be all right. You know what I mean? Like, those are some of those things we pray for. Those are some of those things just like, and that you bring to life. And then it's just like, it's like, we're going to ask the Lord of the Creator to protect us from having crashes when we have created automobiles that go 250 miles per hour. And we're going to race them around the track. No, we're not praying for that. There's another one that I love. This was incredible. It was like, it's like, hey man, pray that I pass my drug test tomorrow. I'm like, I'm not praying for that. I'm not praying for that. You should have already done the things to not allow you to, to like miss that. You know. So there's some things in our life that's so beautiful here in this moment that that the Lord is saying, like, bring them to me. Even the small things, bring them to me. But it's always that request that you must make to him where you maybe even send it through the filter of that. Is this a NASCAR prayer? Where it's like, wait, that's not right. But just have some fun with it. I wanted to share with you that the Lord, he cares about the small things. He brings it to life here. The small things in your life, pray for that. There was a moment where August, he fell down and he scraped his knee. And it's just like in that moment, it's just like, let's just pray that Jesus makes it better. And you know, like a simple moment. It's like, dear Jesus, Augie fell, just make it better. Amen. It's like, how you feel? Good. Go right on. Isn't that so? Those are those little moments. Don't miss the little things. Is what Jesus is saying here. But it's the provision that he provides. The second one. The second one. So he goes on. It says, it says, give us our day by day, our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive anyone that is indebted to us. Listen, here's an incredible line. We often feel the need for food, don't we? We often feel this incredible need within our soul for food and within our body for food. But oftentimes, the need for forgiveness is not something that we really feel or that we even come to know. As bread is the first need of the body, so forgiveness is for the soul. Think about that. In this order, Jesus is proclaiming, give us our daily bread, the provision for our bodies, but then the second thing that we need is forgiveness for our soul. And he begins to take this just a little bit further, that 
it actually is one of the conditional prayers that he puts on. It says, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to ask. And I began to look at this list that we are going to get to. If you just begin to see these things in, in new light, I was like, do not ask for what you are unable to give. I was like, man, that is so challenged. And I was like, I was like, here we are asking for daily bread, but yet unwilling to give to another, to even meet the physical needs of another, to meet the physical needs of a family or a community. How often are we to ask, 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 but yet withhold from others? Or you say, Jesus, forgive me, but yet you withhold the forgiveness of others. And so he puts this condition in here. He says, that actually, if you're unable to forgive them, then I'm unable to forgive you. Like, no, no. But God, you don't understand. That's what we would say. But God, you don't understand what they've done to me. And yet we have forgotten just what we have done to him. Continuing on here, we continue to see the second one. We see, forgive us. Then the third one, it says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This word temptation is to test, to test. Now, I love this. We've seen this throughout the book of Job. There's this incredible moment, this incredible story. Did, did God tempt Job? No. God does not bring the temptation, but God allows the test. And so this is incredible that he would even allow this. But then Jesus actually says that you will have tests in your life, but there's even something to be said here is that you can actually ask the Lord to not lead you into that temptation. Lord, do not lead us into this temptation, but deliver, deliver us from evil to pray to be spared exposure to situations where we may be vulnerable. We're leading a college small group on Monday nights, and, and one of the parts of our college small group is uh, they get to bring their questions to us. And so one of the questions that we got to talk about this past week was, is it okay for Christians to watch inappropriate movies or TV shows? Woo! Talk about convicting. That was a hard one. That was a hard one. Because the simple answer is, is it okay? Probably not. Like, it's probably not. Right, But every single one of us can go back to the last Netflix show that was probably inappropriate. And by inappropriate, I mean, like, can your six-year-old like hop in a room and watch it with you? Or your teenager sit in the room and watch it with you? You know what I mean? That's the litmus test. Or your grandma. If your grandma walks into the house and you're like, Grandma, you can't be here right now. You need to leave. Then it's probably not appropriate. And that's hard. That's hard. But what is incredible here is that you actually are asking God, do not lead us into temptation. Okay, Jesus is saying this is something you should directly ask for. But as we begin to talk about the movies and the TV shows, and we all just had this huge confession, and every single one of us had the conviction, but then we're kind of like, but we got a few episodes left type deal. But every single one of us can feel this pull like, ah, like this is, this is, this is kind of influencing me. Like, this is changing my thought. But then if you even look even further, it's like, to all the gentlemen in the room, to all the men in the room particularly, this would be the struggle that every single one of us would have, is that what we watch will influence the way we think about women, how we think about sex, and even what we see. And so we have this moment where we say, do not, Lord, deliver us from temptation. And we're like, well, I'm going to watch this on a Friday night. It's like, those two things don't match. 
And this has been one of the most convicting things within my heart. I love watching movies. I love it. Oh my gosh, I love it so much. But to begin to think about the temptations that the evil will allow to come in by those simple decisions, you're just like, my goodness. And so it's really, really challenging. We say this, Jesus says this, do not lead us into temptation. But the challenge for us is, is that when we pray that, will we just be a liar? Because in that same moment, we're just walking into temptation. We're walking in to the amusements of the world. We're walking in to those things that, that look pretty, that look shiny, but really just lead to destruction and brokenness. And so whenever we think about this line, do not lead us into temptation. This will mean never boast in your own strength. This will mean never boast in your own strength. Never desire trials. Never go into temptation and never lead others into temptation. Jesus has proclaimed this to us, but it's a beautiful line. He says, if you will, if you will allow yourself to not step into this amusement, and you can honestly pray, Lord, do not lead me into temptation, but deliver me from evil, then I believe there's this beautiful picture that he will. And so if we get in summary, what has Jesus just modeled for us in this prayer to ask for? This is so beautiful. Jesus in this picture is defining for us, and I believe will be a model for every single one of us in prayer. What does he ask, say we should ask for? Give, forgive, lead, and deliver. And as you think about your life tomorrow, and you begin to have, maybe you wake up and you say, Lord, give me my daily bread. Give me the bread that I need for today. Lord, forgive me already of the sins that I have committed. Lord, as I go about my day, lead me, not into temptation, but deliver me actually from the evil one. This is what we should ask. This is, once again, the baseline, the starting point of where we should be. And I just love this picture. Lord, give us, forgive us, lead us, and deliver us. Let that be your prayer. Let that be your starting point. But I know deep down that each and every single one of us can probably connect with one of those. Is that right now, you have an incredible, incredible need. I'm not even talking about a small need, but a big need. And you are asking and praying out to God, Lord, give something. Healing, mercy, grace. Some of you right now are struggling with this continual sin in your life and you're asking, Lord, for forgiveness, number one, but then also, Lord, Lord, do not lead me into this temptation again, but deliver me, deliver me, Lord. And there's this heartbeat that right now, I hope that you're bringing to life something that the Lord is speaking to you today that he is calling for you to ask him for, which is beautiful. But it continues on, well, how, are we should, how should we ask? How should we ask? Well, let's continue on with our passage here. It says in verse 5, it said, And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and to say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. Now, let's just stop here. This isn't like, you know, most people would probably make a phone call 
or would like send a text message. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about literally you have people arrive and you're like, oh my gosh, this is the custom. I must feed them. I must provide for them, but I don't have anything. I'm going to the neighbor's house and this is what it is. It's like ringing the doorbell. Does anybody have the doorbell and the dogs go crazy? That's our house. They're ringing the doorbell, but they aren't just ringing it once. Pay attention to this. They are ringing the doorbell. And in that time, there would have been one room, and this one room would have had everybody in it. Everybody. The kids, the parents, everybody would have been in this room together. And so what I want you to picture here is not somebody texting you, but literally somebody ringing your doorbell at 12 o'clock after you got the kids to bed and everybody's asleep, and you're like, what is going on? What is going on? But it continues on, verse 5. Let's continue to look at this. It says, For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. Please go away. I'm not getting up. But here's what we find. In verse 8, it says, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needed. And I want to just bring to life, this is in New word. Keep that one, keep that one up there. Verse 8, importunity. This is where he gets to the King James Version. You're like, that's a weird word. I don't use that. But you're going to connect with this. It's persistence. But it's not in like the positive persistence. It's like if somebody's just sitting there ringing your doorbell, that is, that is a pretty shameful move. But you don't care. This is a shamelessness. Okay, you understand? This is a shamelessness. As if this person doesn't care anymore that they're disturbing. This person doesn't care now that everybody's awake. I'm just going to keep on knocking because I know you have the bread that I need. And so you continue on in this way. This is almost an annoyance because it is so strong. Now listen, for this man, it took great boldness for him to shamelessly ask his friend in the middle of the night. He both really wanted and needed the bread. You see, I want to bring this to life. Our persistence, our persistence doesn't change God. It changes us. Developing in us a heart and a passion for what God wants. When he tells us how to pray, he says, be that person. Have that shamelessness. Have that persistence in your life where you just continue to ask because I know that you have what I need. I know that you have what I want. And you don't give up. You don't stop. It continues on in verse 9 through 13. Come on. This is so good. It says, and I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. And whenever you look at the context of this word, this isn't just to ask once. Ask, seek, knock can be asking, seeking, knocking. It is a persistence 
word that you are continually using. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. This is not a single moment, not a single activation, but one that is of earnest intensity and persistence. And then we finish right where we end. Jesus has laid out this beautiful, beautiful invitation. I cannot stress that enough that you can ask Him. That the God of the universe, you have an open door to ask. Whatever complex that each of us may have, may the Lord break through that today. And may your heart just simply begin to cry out, Lord, you are my provider. You are my provider, Lord. Give me my daily bread. Lord, I am a sinner, Lord, but not anymore because I have been forgiven. I do not label myself as for sinner, but I label myself as forgiven. And if you have forgiven me because of what Jesus has done, I know you will continually forgive me. So Lord, forgive me today. And Lord, as I go about my day, as I go about my week, Lord, I pray that you would just not lead me in temptation, but lead me into life. And do not, Lord, allow the evil one to trap me in a snare, but deliver me. And all these things we get to ask. And how does Jesus say that we should ask? You just keep ringing that doorbell. You just keep ringing that doorbell. Don't you stop. Don't you stop. And what you're going to continue to see is that it will change your soul. I love this illustration. Imagine that what you are praying for, the Lord would say, hey, I will answer it tomorrow, but just keep praying today. Not hard, right? Every single one of us would just stop what we're doing. And literally, if you really are seeking the Lord for something, you will leave this place and you will go on your knees and pray the rest of the day. But then I remember this question. What if Jesus says, hey, at the end of 365 days of consistent, persistent prayer, I will answer this. I will answer your need. And I begin to ask this question. Would I be willing to sit before God every single day, 365 days a year, waiting for Him to move? And I believe deep within us that most of us say, no, I can't. No, I'm not able. No, I'm probably not even willing. But whenever we see asking, sometimes it just takes time. And sometimes it just takes persistence. And listen, there is a huge little piece of the puzzle over here that we're going to get to over the next couple weeks. And number next week is going to be, how do we yield to what God is doing? But then what happens when God doesn't answer our prayers? We're getting there. But allow this to just be a place of which you begin to just open your heart to asking Him for the good things, for the needs, for Him to lead you, for you to deliver Him, or for deliverance. As I close today, we see verse 11. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give, or will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? This is what we need the most. I just want to encourage you, as we go back into just a time here of worship, I just want to encourage you here for a moment. Would you just stand with us first and foremost? Would you just stand with us? And all heads bow. Let's just talk for just a moment. Listen, you came in here 
And I want you to see that. I want you to see that you can ask. That you can ask. And today, here is my prayer. We want to just pray over you for just a moment here. How are we able to ask? Is it because of what Jesus has done for us? And every single one of us that have come to the faith, that have come to a relationship with Jesus, that has come to his incredible salvation, has been because we asked first. And so today, if you have never given your life to Jesus, if you have never seen your sin and your brokenness in new light, new perspective to him, then today we just want to proclaim that today can be the day of salvation for you. That this is something that we seek out in faith and we seek that the Lord provides. We must ask. And so today, if you've never given your life to the Lord, today can be that day. And so what I want to do for just a moment is all heads bowed, nobody's looking out. I just want to see if that is you today, would you just be so bold as just to raise your hand? You've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but today you want to know more about what that looks like. Today you want to see this could be the day. Would you just raise your hand if that's you? If you'd love to just see that step happen in your life. So again, nobody's looking at you. Now let's just take a moment here. If today you have a need and that you have just been praying over and over, or maybe be a small need, big need, hard need, whatever it may be, would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, I have a huge need in my life. That right now, would you just would you just pray over us and pray over that situation? And here's where I know we're not very good at asking is because, because we aren't even good at this little piece. Every single one of us should have our hands raised in this moment, right? Man, we have needs. Man, do we have a need in our own lives. Today, I want to ask you, Maybe who needs forgiveness? Would you just raise your hand if you just need forgiveness to flow over your body right now? You just need forgiveness, His love and His grace to pour out over you. Today, I just want to ask, is there somebody that said, God, I've just been tempted and tempted and tempted. Would you just ask today for the Lord to lead you out of that? Was there anybody that's asking for that? Lord, lead me out of this temptation. Lead me out of this temptation that has continued to try to trap me. And then lastly, who in the room is seeking deliverance today? Who is seeking deliverance from the evil one? Who is seeking deliverance from a situation? Who is seeking deliverance from the snares? Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you today asking, Lord, that you would just move in a mighty, mighty way. Lord, to all the needs that were, that were lifted up in boldness today, Lord, that you would meet those needs. Lord, that you would meet those needs, God, because we know that you can and we know that you will. You are a good Father. And Lord, we pray for forgiveness today, that it would be felt, Lord, that it would be understood today. That, Lord, the sins and the struggles, God, that they do not have the stronghold over us because you are stronger than them. And Lord, because of what you have done, Lord, the temptations that come at us, Lord, I pray that they would just go away. Lord, that you would lead us not into these temptations. And Lord, that we would be wise with our steps. And Lord, we pray for deliverance, God, from the evil one that is constantly trying to bring us down. Lord, today we ask for all of these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.